2: Hello and welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. We are the podcast that aims to educate our listeners on the variety of opportunities available in the music industry by really getting beneath what job titles actually mean. We do this through open, honest and inspiring stories from our guests who share with us about their careers in music, we are back with series three. Thank you to all our listeners who have been with us since the beginning, and welcome to anyone who is listening to this for the first time. This week's guest is Kaylee Ramchand Benley. Kaylee has worked with the UK's biggest artists, songwriters, and publishers, firstly at Cobalt, and now as publishing clients manager at Musics Match, a leading data driven company who provide lyrics to all our favourite digital streaming platforms. Hayley, welcome to the Mellow Compass podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday and finding some time to record before your wedding next Saturday. You must be so excited.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's all go, go, go over here, but always happy to to make the time.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. We have not actually met before, but we have talked a couple of times over Instagram, commenting on what each other are up to, um, of course we do work in similar areas and also we have similar initiatives. You, know, you founded the Speak and Sound initiative, which is all about the diversity and accessibility in the music industry, and you also work in the publishing. Let's begin. Um, back in your university days, so you studied... Music at Southampton. When you left or during the time that you were at university, did you have a good understanding of what you wanted to do? And did you have a good understanding of the types of opportunities that were available in the music industry?
3: To be honest, my um, kind of time at university was, was more about music performance than anything else. And, you know, at the time and when I graduated even, um... The goal was to be a musician, was to be a singer-songwriter. And so that's what I did for, you know, the first year after leaving uni. And I really enjoyed it. And there was a couple of reasons why I kind of... Decided to move kind of behind the season in industry. One was I maybe didn't think the lifestyle of a singer songwriter was for me. Uh, you know, I was a very home home girl, really liked my home comforts, and there was a lot of sacrifices that I had to make. And I'm really close to my family, and and you know some of those didn't necessarily sit well with with me. One of the other reasons was at the time I had a, a manager, and I wasn't quite sure that that relationship was working out very well. So. I decided that I wanted to get a job in the industry so I could understand a bit more about, you know, what I was signing when I was signing publishing deals, what I was signing when I was signing recording contracts. Because to be honest, my course didn't cover any of that. Um, Like I said, it was it was mostly performance. So when I did start in, in the music industry, kind of behind the scenes, it was totally, totally new to me.
2: In the time that you were a practising singer-songwriter in that year after uni, it sounds like you you were thinking, you know, is this for me? What are the other opportunities available? And you started at Cobalt several years ago now. So how did that opportunity come about? Because obviously working in publishing, you're working with singer-songwriters. So it probably helped that your background was very much as doing that yourself
3: yeah totally i mean t- to be honest when when i started applying for jobs i did something that i totally now like do not recommend anybody that comes to me and asks for advice on careers i went out there and i just applied for any junior role that i saw in the music industry because like i said at the time I had no idea. It was all new to me. I, you know, I didn't even think I necessarily knew the difference between master rights and recording and publishing. And I literally just replied for every junior role at every music company that, that I saw being advertised. And that kind of led me to this repertoire and research assistant role at Cobalt. And when I started at Cobalt, my role was actually in neighboring rights, which is quite um a niche part of of the business and kind of under the recording side of things rather than publishing but you know I was lucky enough to get that role and that kind of kick-started my career in the industry.
2: Neighboring rights is definitely still a niche area of the industry knowing that the role that you were applying for included that did that stop you with kind of thinking oh is this right for me? You know, was there any kind of imposter syndrome there of knowing whether you could or could not do the role?
3: I think that I just really took the time. I mean, back at uni, I always quite liked, you know, the kind of academic side of things. Admin, the organization, like all of that stuff, I always really enjoyed. So I never necessarily doubted that. Being in like an admin role and kind of behind a computer would be not right for me. What I did have doubts on was my knowledge because I just didn't know anything. But I think when I applied, I literally spent days researching Cobalt, researching what neighboring rights were, so that I felt a little more comfortable going into those interviews. Now, by no means was I an expert, and I actually think (laughs) some of the times when I was when I was explaining answers to their questions, I think one of their questions was, do you understand what neighbouring rights is? You know, at the time, I, I perhaps didn't necessarily understand contextually what it was. I was just kind of repeating what I'd read on the internet 24 hours prior. But that kind of initial research did obviously helped me get the role and, and helped me feel a bit more comfortable going into that situation. I'm a really big advocate of constantly, constantly learning, you know, even now, six years in my career, I'm still learning things and I'm still making the effort to, to further my knowledge. App Cobalt, tell us what was your day-to-day? To be honest, When I got my job at Cobalt and loads of my peers and my family were being like, wow, you've got a job in the music industry. That must be so glamorous. I mean, it was totally, totally not, you know, and I'm not saying my role now is is particularly glamorous. But back then it was the complete opposite. My role at the time was to put together discographies for our clients at at Cobalt Neighboring Rights. And, you know, we had some really big names, artists with years and years, decades worth of repertoire. And I would sit at my desk in Excel for weeks at a time working on one discography, you know, individually typing out, you know, the tracks, what they did on the track, little bits of metadata within this Excel spreadsheet. And it would take me weeks and weeks at a time. So it was highly, highly administrative, lots of attention to detail, really, really repetitive. There were some days that I was just like, oh gosh, you know, is this really what working in the music industry was going to be like? But it really did give me a kind of solid ground for the rest of my career working on that. And you had
2: several promotions whilst you were at Cobalt. Were all of those roles quite similar to one another? Were they a clear kind of development from one another? How did your role at the beginning, when you first started at Cobalt, differ to the writer and publisher relationships manager role that you had when you then finally left Cobalt last year now?
3: So the kind of first promotion or or step was more of a gradual and natural step rather than me applying for a promotion or a change in role. So like I said, I was kind of in the repertoire and research assistant, but I sat under the client's team and that was the team that would deal face to face with our clients, have all the communication And I sat in that team because quite often I needed to have that maybe one-to-one contact with the clients that when working on those discographies in case I had questions, you know, and things like that. So my role kind of developed from a repertoire and research assistant into a client assistant. So it evolved to not just working on repertoire, but to also dealing with the other administrative queries that came along with um, Cobalt administering their neighboring rights so that's how I kind of ended up in this customer service client facing role and that's where I really hit my stride and and realized that I was I mean I always knew I was a people person but I kind of realized at that point that being a, a forward-facing person and being in customer service was really um, one of my biggest strengths. I was a client assistant in neighboring rights and we were quite a small team Um, And it kind of became apparent that perhaps there wasn't much more room for me to develop within that team. And a role on the client's team in the publishing department at Cobalt uh, came available. It was an assistant manager role, which was, you know, quite a big step up for me, but an opportunity that I really thought that I was ready for. So I applied internally for that one. And that's how I ended up working uh, in publishing. Again, my role just kind of developed there whilst I was in publishing. I started as kind of a more junior member of the account management team and worked my way up to manager. And it was there that I kind of became a line manager as well, which I really enjoyed. And also started involving myself a lot more with the writers and the publishers. It was kind of, it was still a very heavily administrative role, you know as I got more senior it was also more about the kind of face-to-face contact the making sure our clients were happy so so yes that's how I got there.
2: Nice one okay and with Cobalt you said that you applied internally for that role is that something that tends to happen quite a lot at Cobalt or are you kind of more naturally funneled up if you're doing particularly well in a role and then you know you're given a promotion?
3: I think, you know, it's a real, real mixture. Um, I was at Cobalt for nearly six years and there was a lot of people that I worked with that I worked with for several years that kind of were in um, different teams and moved different teams or, you know, were, were promoted within the same team. I think the good thing about Cobalt is that they were really passionate about investing in their talent and keeping talent. So if somebody felt that maybe they had learned what they could from a role or learned what they could from a team, they'd rather keep you and give you a different opportunity than kind of let you go. So you saw a lot of the kind of moving about, um, especially kind of when you started at the more junior levels as assistants, moving from assistants to assistant manager, there was a lot of room to move around. But, you know, I, I will also say that Cobalt were very good, but it was also down to the employees to show that they were capable of doing the work. You know, it was never a case that you would see someone get promoted ahead of you for not putting the effort in. You would see good people get promoted or move teams. And
2: working at Cobalt, it sounds like, you know, the culture is very much kind of empowering one another. Is culture... Something that is very important to you when it comes to applying for a new role. Because, of course, now you're at Music's Match and you do share quite a lot on um, social about how incredible that company is. And I wonder whether knowing about the culture and what the company was like actually had quite a big influence on applying for that role in particular.
3: Yeah, I think that you know in any role I would say the culture and the role are equally important. You know, I don't think any role even if it's your dream job is worth sacrificing your mental health over and I think a company's culture has a big part to play in that. And you know, it's it's not a one size fits all. Certain people will gel with certain cultures and won't with others and vice versa so I think it's really important to in the interview process or when you're researching a company really think about whether you're going to fit in and I actually read an article recently on LinkedIn about how companies and recruiters need to be making more of an effort now in this virtual post-COVID you know, time where a lot of the interviews are done still over Zoom or, or video um, to make sure the candidate has a feel of that culture through that that interview. Because sometimes there is that disconnect where the candidate can't come into the office and see people walking around. I honestly think it's it's equally important. And, you know, the culture at both Cobalt and Music's Match has fit me really well. And when I started at Cobalt, I was in my early 20s, perhaps still in a a partying phase. And a lot of my peers at Cobalt were around the same age. Now at Music's Match, I'm a parent. You know, I have different priorities. You fitting into a culture might change based on where you are in life too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. What advice would you give someone who is feeling like they're not fitting into the culture at their company?
3: I think it's really important to, be honest and transparent with your manager if you feel comfortable to do so or your HR department you know I completely appreciate that at Cobalt and and where I am now at Music's Match I've always felt comfortable in confiding in management or HR um, and I completely understand that some people perhaps don't have that environment where they feel comfortable to do so so my first question would be you know if you don't feel comfortable doing that why don't you feel comfortable doing that if you really don't if there's no solution there, is it the right place for you? You know, think about looking elsewhere and um, where opportunities arise. If you do feel comfortable talking to someone you know, talk to someone and maybe steps can be made to, to make you feel that you fit in. You know, it may be one certain individual that's making you feel uncomfortable or feeling like you don't fit in and not necessarily the entire company's culture. But sometimes when you work really closely to someone, it may seem that that is a company culture when actually it's just you don't necessarily align with that individual person.
2: Mm, absolutely. So coming on to your role at Music's Match. You are a publishing clients manager. Yes. What is your current day-to-day at this role and how does it differ to your previous role? I can definitely see some similarities. They are very much client service, customer service, people-based, which is awesome because you've obviously recognized that that is a strength of yours and you've been able to bring that into this new opportunity.
3: Yeah, totally. So title-wise, very, very similar. And, you know, for a lot of it, it's a very, very similar role in that I'm dealing with people and I'm dealing with publishers, I'm dealing with songwriters, I'm dealing with our clients. But I would say my role at Music's Match is perhaps a lot more varied. And, you know, I always make a joke when I start my day that's like, I actually don't know what this day is going to bring. Our team is very small at Music's Match at the moment, our publishing team. And so there's quite a lot of autonomy for me to kind of set my day um, and be involved in a lot more strategic conversations than I perhaps would have been at Cobalt. You know, when I, when I left Cobalt, we were a huge corporation with um, layers and layers of senior management. So there was perhaps less opportunity for me to be involved in kind of the bigger strategic conversations. Now at Music's Match, I can be involved in those where I am. Another big part of my role at Music's Match is business development which is definitely something that I did not have experience in before and so I did have to step out of my comfort zone and I I still do kind of on a regular basis when I'm having those negotiation conversations but I've actually really enjoyed kind of learning that new skill. In
2: the interview process knowing that business development was going to be part of that role how did you go about selling yourself? into that area if you did, or did you focus on the areas of the role that you knew that you could really
0: excel at? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's totally what I did. I focused on those areas. I mean, it was funny because this role wasn't an advertised role. So how this role came about was my old boss at Cobalt, Lisa Euclid. She had moved to music Match the year prior and um, I saw on her LinkedIn, she'd been advertising a role for a kind of more junior level legal coordinator. The title of the role didn't necessarily seem to suit me. But when I looked at the job description, it really did seem like it was a role for me. And at the time at Cobalt, I wasn't actively looking. I was really happy in my day to day. But after being there for five years, I did kind of fancy a change if an opportunity arose. So I reached out to Lisa and kind of asked her, I know this role is perhaps too junior for me, but could you do with someone more senior to do this role alongside doing client services? Because I knew at that time that they didn't have a a client services team. And I wondered if they'd be interested in kind of hiring me to set that team up. So I had that conversation with her and she was really positive about it. And she kind of took it to the C-suite who are the co-founders of the company. And, um, you know they were really positive as well, and that's how the interviews came about. And like I said, there was kind of negotiation in the role, and I never made it a secret that I was not experienced in in that side of things. I focused on selling myself for what I could bring to the table, and I said, you know, look, I don't necessarily have an experience in negotiation and business development, but I'm really keen to learn, and I really think that my current skill set with client communication will, you know, really help me in that side of the business. Um, So, you know, I didn't lie, I didn't make it seem like I was going to be perfect for the role. But I focused on my strength and I recognized what perhaps my weaknesses would be, but that I was willing to learn
2: really awesome so you obviously you know you looked at the company and what they were up to at the time and then you also looked at your skill set and what you could bring to the company I mean that I think says to an employer all in all that you know you're obviously pretty proactive and you're interested in how they can grow their business
3: Yeah, totally. And I think it's really important, you know, that you, when applying for any role, whether it be more senior, whether it be an entry level role, to do your research and really think about what you can bring to the table, not just generically, but based on what that company are doing and what that company stand for and where they are.
2: Yeah, I've often heard that referred to as the hidden job market. And I think this is particularly relevant in the music industry because there are only so many roles advertised on places like LinkedIn and our business is a relationship business. So when you start developing your network and you don't have to have a network to start off with, but you can develop your network, then you start talking to people and researching these companies. Then you, you really realize actually the breadth of opportunities that are available. But I think that, like you say, there is that importance of doing the work on yourself and really kind of being grounded in What do I do? What's my experience? What do I really love doing? Because passion pushes through any kind of experience. You know, I often ask guests, would you hire based on experience or passion if that person doesn't have perhaps all of the um, experience that the role is asking for? And so often people say, you know, passion is more important Sometimes depends on what the situation is. But I think, you know, bringing that into this kind of situation and realising your, your strengths is, yeah, it's, it's really important to do that. It gets very much recognised by employers as well. Totally, totally agree. So as you said, uh, when you moved into Music's Match, you were a parent. Um, did you always want to
3: have children? So I think growing up, I, you know, I, I did. It perhaps wasn't necessarily anything I actively thought of growing up, but I never thought I don't want children. So yeah, I think I always in- envisaged myself having having children eventually.
2: Did you want to have kids as young as you did? Like, was it a surprise? And then you were thinking kind of, okay, how am I going to manage this? Because I think sometimes as women, we have to kind of think about, okay, so when is this going to happen? <laughs> and when it does, what does that mean? And do I need to you know, wait until I'm a certain place in my career? Yeah, it, it would be awesome to hear about your journey and your
3: experience of this within your career. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I was kind of pursuing being a singer-songwriter full-time, I perhaps didn't think that I'd be able to have children as as early as I did, you know? I kind of thought that it would have this detrimental effect on, on my career, and, you know, when I was kind of pursuing that, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind. But when I kind of settled down in the industry and I realized that this is where I want to be is when I kind of started thinking about it a bit more my fiance and I or, or husband as he'll be in approximately five days time both of our parents kind of had us quite young we both had really similar experiences and in kind of we really enjoyed having younger parents and sounds really cheesy but the parents that could be your friend you know I remember turning 18 and like I would go out with my parents to clubs and stuff like that's just me I just had a really close relationship with them and I really wanted that for my family too. So kind of decided try and and when I got pregnant I was 25 and that's definitely super young and super young for the music industry especially. We both worked for Cobalt at the time. So uh When we kind of announced that we were expecting, there was so much shock amongst our peers because I think it was just so far removed from where they were in life. And I think a big part of that was because they really thought it would put their career to a stop, you know. And it was weird for me because I think at the time I'd always been quite comfortable where I was. Cobalt always made me feel really comfortable and confident in my role. I've been quite fortunate in how quickly I climbed the ladder. You know, at the time I got pregnant, I was already a manager. So I felt quite comfortable in my career, kind of ready to to start a family. They were those concerns, you know, is this gonna A halt my development? Is this gonna halt my my earning power? But For me, it was really important to start a family so I kind of put those concerns aside and I said to myself okay well if it does, it does, I'm going to put my family first.
2: And was your employer supportive of this, what was the kind of maternity cover support
3: COBOL offered? They were really, really supportive. I had, at the time, two female managers in my reporting line who both had kids, and I think that really, really helped. They were both really supportive and kind of helped me really understand what I would be entitled to. And Cobalt offered a really, really good enhanced package as well for both me and Sean. Shaw. Sean had four weeks as opposed to the statutory two weeks. I mean, four weeks is still, you know, a, a, such a short amount of time for a new father. Um but you know, it was more than than what the statutory was. So I felt, you know, pretty supported by Cobalt. And when I was coming back to work, when I was talking about whether I wanted to come back full time or, or part time, you know, they were always really receptive to that conversation. And at least my um kind of inner network and my close team were always really supportive.
2: I think that does make a massive difference. And You've obviously found a community within the music industry through the She Said So Parenthood. Can you tell our listeners what exactly the Parenthood uh, She Said So group does? And if there are any new parents or to-be parents listening, how can they get involved
3: with that? So uh, She Said So Parenthood was founded literally at the start of the pandemic so actually prior to me being a parent my baby is fully COVID baby I went on maternity leave I think like as we were going into lockdown so it was it was founded kind of a bit before that and so as a result of that plans were kind of put on hold because as you can imagine everyone involved in the parenthood committee was kind of busy taking care of their families homeschooling so we kind of started off slow and I joined the committee um early 2021 and we've definitely uh, hit the ground running this year with loads of events and kind of the goal is to create a community hub where not only parents but people thinking about parenthood um, can come to and ask questions and feel like they're in a safe space to do so we'd welcome anybody to kind of reach out to the she said so community and we'll be launching our kind of community space really soon and we kind of welcome anybody to come and get involved mothers and fathers and general caregivers or anybody that you know thinks they might be a parent someday because I think quite often in the industry people may be put off having children like I said they think it's going to put a halt to their career or delay their career so I think it's really important for us to also speak to those people who think they might want to become parents someday so we can talk them through their concerns and what they think they kind of have to think about. Yeah I think
2: this is an area that hasn't been talked about much
3: at all over the
2: last couple of years and having spaces like the She Said So Parenthood community is a safe space for people to come and talk about their concerns when it comes to maternity or paternity in the music industry because of course you know there are two parents how do you split your time being a parent and working at music's match are they quite flexible with your time do you kind of work a perhaps less conventional timed with schedule
3: Yeah so when I left Cobalt I was actually working part-time and when I interviewed for the Music Smash role they were really keen for me to come back full-time and I said to them that I was happy to do that but want it to be flexible so I made sure that I still made time for my daughter and I had that time that you know I previously would have had at Cobalt so they were really receptive to that and we um kind of worked out a flexible schedule and you know I, I get my work done and I perhaps sometimes work odd hours. But, you know, I think the important thing for employers to know is if an employee is doing their work, does it really matter if they're clocking in at nine and clocking off at five every day? I think the difficulty with flexible schedules is making sure you have that home life balance. It sounds kind of odd to say because you would think that a flexible schedule kind of allows you to have the, the home life balance. But sometimes I think, you know, I've, I've, done this myself you try and overcompensate you know you feel like you owe the the company like for being so great to you and offering you this this flexible schedule that you know sometimes you work until 9 p.m at night because oh you you took three hours to take your daughter to baby ballet this morning but I think it's really important to recognize that as long as you're doing your job and you know you're filling your job to the best of your ability you don't need to like try and overcompensate and I think it's important for companies to recognize that so many employees not just parents have different needs and different requirements in terms of flexibility and that that shouldn't be detrimental to their career.
2: What do you think we're going to be seeing more of from employers within this area? Obviously we've talked a lot about flexible working, is there anything else that you think employers are likely to bring in to have um, you know parents within their workforce
3: I mean there's some obvious ones flexible working like you've said um, you know enhanced um, parental leaves uh, you know maternity and paternity Um, but it's also thinking more longer term um, and about you know how parents not just in for the time when when they have a newborn, parents in general can fit within your company, and I think it's things like you know, making socials or team building sessions at appropriate times for parents. You know, sometimes parents don't have the childcare to to go on a team builder session in the evening or to go on a a weekend. Away day, they don't have that opportunity and they shouldn't not have that opportunity just because they are a parent. So I think it's companies thinking about how they can adjust certain activities within their business to make sure that everybody can be included. And as She Said So Parenthood community, you know, this is a bit different perhaps than on the business side. We, we work a lot with like DJs or people actually just generally working in the live sector. But how can employers in the live sector? really encourage parents and make sure that it's a career that parents can pursue and there's a lot of work at the moment being done for kind of funded childcare at festivals and various live events and I think that's going to be really interesting to see and you know I hope to see more of it as kind of live events kick off again this summer.
2: As a woman in the industry do you believe that we can have it
3: all? It sounds like you do which is really, really brilliant. It's an interesting question. I definitely think that we can. However, there is still this kind of mentality generally with women that, you know, we're always judged no matter what we do you know, I still have days where I feel like I'm rubbish at my job. And I still have days where I feel like I am a rubbish mum. And so yes, I can have it all I can have a full time career, and I can have a child. But you've got to kind of rewire your brain, you know, to remember that you are doing a lot. You know, I am doing a lot being a parent and working full time. And I've got to Be kind to myself, remember to be gentle to myself and not put so much pressure on myself and think that I have to be perfect 24 seven. And that's, you know, the pressure that society puts on us. So I think it's really remembering in yourself that you can have a career and you can have a family, but it's not always going to be perfect. You know, it's not always going to be like what you see on Instagram and remembering that that's okay.
2: Thank you for that. Just to round off this wonderful chat, can you share with us what is one of your proudest accomplishments?
3: I think, you know, I've had a lot in my career and, you know, personally as well. I think what I've enjoyed most um, about my career, perhaps, you know, in my more recent years is becoming a mentor to other people and being able to help them in their career. You know, I found that something that's been really invaluable, you know.
2: Talking about mentorship,
3: if you were to shout out one individual, who would that be? I mean, I've had tons of mentors in my career, but I think probably the most consistent one is my current boss, Lisa. You know, she was my boss at Cobalt. She's she's my boss now at Music's Match, and she's also a mum. So, you know, there's so much synergy between us, and she's really been there for me throughout most of my career. So shout out, Lisa. <laughs>
2: Um, And finally, what's one action that you would encourage our listeners to take to further their career in music, having listened to this podcast?
3: I mean, I think, like I said earlier in the podcast, just take the time to do your research and learn and build your skills. You know, I think... People always ask me, I've got no experience, I've got no skills, what do I put on my CV? Make the experience and make those skills, you know, you know, go out, go to gigs, write blogs, depending on what you want to do in the industry, make that experience for yourself because it still counts. It absolutely
2: does count. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for this awesome chat. This podcast is produced by the wonderful Rosie Bennett. If you found this episode useful and are interested in finding out more about Music Snatch, the She Said So Parenthood Committee, or would like to follow Kaylee on socials, check out the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you over in the next episode.
4: Hold up.